0: Welcome to the You Should Know This podcast by BCC Research. Our podcast features innovative companies and individuals who are working to shape, disrupt, and revolutionize not only their own industries, but also the way we'll live and work in the future. Each week, we talk to visionaries whose work is something you should definitely know about. Now, here's your host, Clara Mowit. Hello
1: and welcome back. I'm your host, Clara Mowad, and as a Content Specialist for BCC Research, I'm excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future. The world of sports is not new, but the inclusion of esports certainly is. As technology advances, so does the rise of video gamers taking on other teams in an industry that is quickly outpacing some of its more traditional counterparts. Taking the world by storm these past 10 years, esports has slowly become a major staple among fans. And while the strides made have been massive, there is still plenty of growth to be seen. One company is working on all aspects of the esports experience by providing innovative solutions on a global scale. With me today is Ryan Thompson, chief production officer and co-founder of Esports Engine, a company who, in conjunction with Vindex, is setting the stage, quite literally, for the future of the esports industry. Ryan, welcome to the show.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Claire. Great, great way to uh, set us up.
1: So I'm excited to really dive into this. And to start us off, can you tell us a bit about your own journey? What led you to Vindex and ultimately co-founding Esports Engine?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go, we can go way, way back. I, um, I actually uh, grew up in a very small town in, in Arkansas. So it's kind of the furthest thing away from kind of technology and esports you might might imagine. Um, but I, I started by going to school for computer science. Uh, very early on, I was, I was absolutely convinced that I was uh, going to program video games for a living. So uh, it was always about games for me. Uh, but in college, I started uh, organizing gaming tournaments. So getting a little more into you know, like the emerging competitive scene. So um, with that, I wanted to find other players that uh, were beating me and figure out how they were uh, you know, actually accomplishing this. So uh, I actually started developing streaming technology to, to have other players stream that I could watch and then get better by watching them. Uh, so, uh, and this was, you know, this was in 2004. This was before YouTube, before Twitch, before any of this existed. So it was it was pretty cool tech back then, uh, whether I realized it or not. Um, so let's see. Uh, I started looking for another group of people doing things like I was doing. So what I kind of came across was this group called MLG, Major League Gaming. Uh, they were basically doing big versions of what I was trying to throw in college. Uh, gaming tournaments, uh, you know, competitive uh, the competitive scene, but... They didn't really have any technology. They, they were in ballrooms and, and it was really cool tournaments and it was the best players, but no one really knew about them. So what I started to do was, hey, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll show them my streaming technology so everyone could see here here really are the best players in the world. Um, so kind of what I did there was I said, can I come to your tournament? They said, yeah. Uh, they said, what's streaming? And I said, I'll show you. So I showed up. Computer in hand, hooked up all of their consoles to uh, to kind of my streaming rig, and uh, we we put the link on the website, and it instantly maxed out. Uh, it, it was only 200 viewers back then, but I, I I didn't know that there was a cap, and I don't think we even expected that. So, we went on and and, and did that for years and years and years, and adding servers and adding capacity, and then got to tens of thousands of viewers, and uh, eventually, you know, it, it brings us all the way to, uh, to today when we see you know tens of millions of viewers uh, watching these streams. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell.
1: I mean, I love it because your story began way before esports was really, you know, has bec- really came into its own and became a thing. So to see that evolution is a lot of fun, um, especially as it primes us for diving into esports engine. So to give our listeners, especially those who may not be terribly familiar with the industry, um, a good overview, what would you say is the core mission of esports engine?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, so Esports Engine is, is in a lot of ways the the esports and uh, production and operations vertical of Vindex. Um, Vindex is a company that that we work with that I've actually uh, met the founders way back in two thousand four, and we actually started an MLG together. Um, so we really focus on uh, you know providing production services to the esports industry.
1: So the whole production, and we're gonna dive into that in a bit. But to ta- maybe um, to start us off, I'm gonna take a step back. So the thing about esports is it's very new and it's global. So you're talking about a production that's happening all over the world and advancing very rapidly. So could you give us a breakdown on the evolution of what and you kind of have already in your own story, but what has led esports to kind of evolve the way that it has and to bring it to the point that where it is today?
0: yeah yeah and and maybe tell a little bit of of that with kind of some more of the story i think um you know as as i was saying saying before um the we were starting in you know Tiny hotel ballrooms and t- sometimes basements, and then uh, as we started to pick up momentum, we started taking uh, it to bigger and bigger venues. As we were able to stream and broadcast this, people caught on and thought this was a really, really cool thing. So we, you know, while uh, it had humble beginnings, uh, in two thousand six, we got our first round of, of major investment, and that was kind of a real tipping point for I think esports as a whole, but of, you know, especially major league gaming and and, and the esports industry. Um, that was the time when I moved from Arkansas and moved to New York, and, and we and we, you know did it for real there. Uh, we, in that very first year when we got our, our first round of investment in 2006, we put a, a TV show on, uh, we took it from basements to, to literally the, the largest uh, cable network uh, at the time uh, and a prime slot. So um, we, we, we always wanted to go big. We always wanted to go fast. And we knew that the industry needed that, uh, you know, we did television for a couple of years, but what we always knew was that streaming was going to be the, the, where we eventually landed the, the, the community is very tech savvy. They, you know, TV's cool and all, but that's kind of for our parents. Like we, we, we watch, uh, we watch the internet and I think, you know, we were seeing cord cutting even back then. So we we knew we wanted to to make it as good on the internet as we could on television. So that's really what we focused on. So we spent a lot of time going from kind of the smallest beginnings to taking it to like the, the, the biggest avenues. And then, also the biggest venues, you know, uh, by the time, um, you know, we were actually acquired by Activision in in 2015, we were putting on shows in stadiums now. Uh, so we, we, we started at the, at, at the very smallest venues and we we're literally at the biggest venues you can be. Um, so we, we did that for several years and have been doing that for the last several years. Uh, so it's it's the journey has gone from uh, what is this thing to you can't ignore this thing.
1: Right. And the best thing I can liken it to, and correct me if, if you don't think that this is a good analogy, but um, is kind of the evolution of MMA because that also has been very heavily banked on streaming. Um, and so when I, as I started doing research in this particular market, I kind of saw a, a in, very different in its own right, but it's interesting to see the newer sports kind of really pick up off of streaming services and then evolve from there. Now, One thing is that you guys really handle, you know, you handle every aspect of the streaming service of the, um, you know, experience side of things. And this is done by um, Vindex and Esports Engine working hand in hand. Now they focus on different, different parts of the whole production. Can you maybe break down what Vindex does and then what Esports Engine does and then why they work so well together?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so f- from the Vindex level, they're they're really meant to uh, provide industry framework uh, to to create sustainable business models for for our partners and our clients and, and ourselves. Uh, Their esports is big, and it's and while it does have a, a pretty rich history, I've been doing it for more than fifteen years, and some some have been doing it longer. Uh, there are still fundamental issues of, of fragmentation, divided interests, uh, and you know just general lack of direction. Uh, of what should we do in esports? What even is it, and what what should someone who wants to be in esports do? So Vindex effectively addresses those those kind of prime issues. Uh, one of the ways we do it is we put on really great events. We 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 put on really great shows. We create production, broadcast, competition operations, and product design for people who who want that. Um, I, I like to a lot of times say is if, if if you want esports, you come to Esports Engine for for turnkey esports. It's we can do any part of the production it could just be the stage it could be just the broadcast It could just be the tournament but it all works best when you have an expert uh connecting all of those fields and and the the idea is work with us at esports engine and you're going to get proper esports
1: got it so now let's bring in COVID because that has thrown a wrench in just about every market and the thing about esports in general just as you know um, the the sport itself is it's very remote friendly in a lot of ways i mean it's already you know the the sport itself takes place over a screen so that kind of works in their favor however esports engine is all about the production piece so how has the pandemic really impacted your business and how have you guys been working with with that
0: yeah, and uh, kind of as I was mentioning before, we we love it when we're in the stadiums, right? Uh, the, the, there's nothing like a live event, and we were uh, doing multiple events on on the same weekends uh, early last year when, when all of this started to happen. Um, but also kind of as, as you mentioned, we, we the remote production is not new to us. So I think where you see a lot of industries and you see a lot, even the, the traditional sports industry uh, having a several-month pause while they figured this out, uh, you know, events stopped last March, but we were right back on the air right there in march uh, a, a lot of the competition formats can translate to online and if you know you've seen any of the metrics of, of viewership uh it's up in in, in some cases 50 percent of watching just the games online uh, so the audience was there they the, the competition can still exist online so translating uh productions the actual uh, events to online was not a hard thing uh i'd Actually, a lot of the traditional sports events were taking cues from eSports. I mean, you saw a lot of F1 went virtual. And it's like, wait, am I watching it as a real? Or am I watching the video game? And the real drivers were actually playing the game. And and, uh, it was still super exciting. so uh, the other thing that happened is uh, technology, which is a huge driver of, of vSports, uh, accelerated massively because there was this need to, to have more virtual production. So things that usually were kind of on the fringes of um, kind of big, uh, big dollar events that, you know, the, the big fancy AR and VR sets that you might only see once or twice a year, maybe at the Super Bowl, more companies popped up and started developing those because people needed those. So now that type of production starts to become within grasp of someone who's not trying to pay for the Super Bowl. Um, and of course, you marry that up with, with video games and they, they go hand in hand, a virtual set. The, the video game itself is virtual, right? So these, these things handshake really well. Um, so the, the, there's lots of production uh, accelerations that, that have happened in the last year that I think will actually take forward uh, post-pandemic. It's, 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 um, they're, they're really cool t- tricks of the trade that aren't just Band-Aids for now. But it's, it's our, our industry uh, powers forward.
1: Yeah. And kind of would you say that just post covid that you're going to see a lot of these trends uh, like maintain themselves or kind of you're going to incorporate them, but really drive the focus back to in-person events?
0: Yeah, and, and yes, we are very eager to get back to in-person events. There's nothing like the roar of a crowd, even whether you're playing it on an MP3 or they're really there. There, it is different, you know. so, just because you hear that that the sound effects on broadcast is it's not the same as being in a, in a stadium full or a convention full or, or, or meeting your friends that you uh, you know been playing online with. So, we're very eager to get back to that. Um, but there's always going to be a ton of viewers online. So, the tricks that we we've come up with and, and developed. Uh, to to you know keep those fans happy today, they, they will apply tomorrow. There's always going to be more people watching online, obviously, than than can actually be there. So um, there's no reason to get rid of uh, uh, some of the innovations that we've had um, from a. Not only a viewer experience standpoint, but there's also a lot of efficiencies. You know, when when a big live event, you know, you want to cap off the year with one big live event, and obviously that gets very costly. Uh, but you're going to get more viewers for it. Um, the equivalent of doing remote events, they they don't have the same kind of bang for your buck, so you kind of have to do more of them. Uh, so you have to get really efficient with these these broadcasts too.
1: Yeah, it almost requires a very different, um, m- maybe not marketing plan, but just a strategy in general. And so one thing that you mentioned a bit earlier is that, you know, it's new, there's a lot of, there's a lot of still figuring out the logistics behind esports. And one question that I have concerns the more, as the, as the industry grows and as it becomes more global and more standardized, what is your approach to scalability when it comes to esports engine? Uh,
0: yeah. I did in, in- uh, scalability is in, in, in terms of kind of literal scaling. It's 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 growing our international footprint. Uh, so we have offices right now in Columbus, Ohio, and and uh, Burbank, California. So it's it's taking the same philosophies that we've developed with this core team over the last 15 years, and, and being able to apply those globally. It's I, I would uh, I'd have to admit it's actually much easier for us because things can be done remotely, and things can uh, technology can empower a lot of uh, a lot of production for for games. Um, but it's it's about getting footholds in, in, in different countries and different markets that uh, that are looking for productions and, and like you mentioned, gaming is is absolutely worldwide. The, the more viewers come from overseas than they do uh, from 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 the U.S.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. And so um, as that evolves, um, do you foresee that? I know one one thing right now is, you know, what game actually is the leading game? And there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of work on that area. Does any of that impact your work or because you're really just focused on the experience point of view that could be applied to any game, no matter the kind of the outcome?
0: Yeah, it's, it's you know, kind of, it's kind of good and bad, you know, more games, more, more partners that we can have in the space, but at the same time, there's only so many eyeballs, right? Um, so, you know, one of the biggest hurdles for esports is stability, you know, and and all of my years in working uh, in esports, I, I can't think of a year where there weren't major changes in the industry. And, and they come from different uh, there different types of them, but uh, there's, there's always been new games. There's tens of thousands of games that come out every year. Uh, there are some brand, some of the biggest esports only came out in the last few years. Some of the other biggest ones have been around for a decade or more uh so that 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 doesn't point towards a lot of civility right so there's there's lots of options new games are coming out constantly and they have varying levels of esports success because it's it's still a little bit the wild west mm. um so and, and they're also very unique every game has a different path for success there's not there's not just one solution for esports there's no blueprint uh so it's a, it's always a custom endeavor for 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 every game
1: and i'm sure that's part of the fun too is kind of navigating it as as it unfolds and, and working with them with the market as these changes occur and how long do you think it will be before maybe it settles down and there is more of a strategic like a standardized approach to the whole industry
0: i don't know if there will, there will ever necessarily be one standardized approach i think though obviously even today there are um, there are better strategies, and there are more stable leagues than than some of the others. But kind of as I was mentioning before, there's there's always going to be new technology. There's always going to be new competition. Uh, there's always going to be new games coming out. So uh, I think there's always going to be a little bit of figuring it out uh, before before we, we ever really say that we've we've truly figured it out.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It is. It's funny, because, even though it's been around for a few years, ten years, really, um it's still a very new industry. um, and it's going to be really interesting also to see how it impacts other sports and how other people start to watch and experience other sports, um, because I definitely think that influence goes both goes both ways. Um, so that will be an interesting development to to observe. And I have to ask, I know that that it's very. It's continually changing, but where do you see the esports industry in like 10 to 15 years from now?
0: Um, Gosh, it's been a crazy 15 years, and I'm sure it will be another crazy 15 years, and I can't wait to – push that forward, um, but I think this this past year has really only highlighted the influence and, and strength of eSports, uh, I think it will continue to grow, um, and, and it actually has a little bit of a boost, I think it's got, has a, um, a bit of an accelerated position right now, uh, but just like the last 15 years, we'll continue to grow, we'll continue to evolve with the needs of the industry, and I think that's that's key. Um, uh, we will get in more and more stadiums, uh, we will have those stadiums for the pros, we will create more local opportunities for, for rising pros. Uh, and, and I think we'll be more connected than ever through the events of uh, the communities and the, and the technology, um, and also some some really cool video games, and that's kind of why we do this, right, because because games are fun. They're not going anywhere. It's the largest entertainment industry in the world, uh, and, and it already trumps sports. It already trumps film and, and, and television, so uh, games aren't going anywhere, and, and competitive gaming is, uh, may only be a part of that, but it will continue to be a bigger part of that, especially because we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, change in the industry where uh, the models are, are less—you uh, know—come out with a game in, in November and sell it for sixty bucks. That's all of the publishers are starting to make more money through microtransactions and keeping their games active, and that is ripe for esports. That is perfect for esports. That's what esports does. We like to have one game and play that for a very long time and create a really, really good storyline of all of the competitors and all of the uh, all of the skill and all of the the fun through um, through single titles for a long time. And that's what the industry is doing uh right now uh last year was the first year that we saw you know major three publishers make more money from microtransactions and uh in game purchases than selling the actual game itself
1: that's really exciting also just to kind of see the impact that it's had in like like the ripple effect really you know on just how the gaming industry in general now operates and Like I said, I know that this is gonna have an impact on other sports and entertainments just because of how well it's been doing. Um, I do have a final question for you, and I'm gonna kind of toss this one at you out of the blue, but I'm just really curious, what role do you see AI playing in the overall esports experience?
0: AI, AI, is super interesting. It's it seems like there's not a day that comes out where there's uh, something that seems really cool and then something that seems really scary. Uh, but some actual um, uh, AI experience we've actually had in the in the gaming industry was actually a few years ago. We were we were running games for for StarCraft, and there was uh, I believe it was uh, Deep Blue that w- started developing an actual um, a competitor for the top pros. We wanted to see like c- can the best people in the world beat the best computer in the world. Um, so I think there's there's, a, there's some interesting things in that um, but but obviously with uh, between um, kind of the, the data that AI can bring out and uh, how that can be applied to, to streamers and, and, and for instance, uh, we're, we're gonna have thousands of gamers playing around the world that our belong centers. Uh, what can we apply AI to that to actually extrapolate what is what is actually going to make you a better player? what can get you to pro? Uh, so the, the, the data is super interesting and, and, and we just have to watch out for the scary parts.
1: Definitely, and I think that a lot of people have that approach when it comes to AI in general. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun to kind of see its impact and how it really becomes integrated into esports. Um, for those who are really excited about the work that Esports Engine is doing, where can people find you?
0: Yeah, uh, check us out. Uh, our, our website is esportsengine.gg, and you can also uh, look at uh, vindex.gg.
1: Perfect. And I will include those links in the show notes. Ryan, thank you so much for diving into this whole world with me and sharing your insights. It's been a pleasure having you.
0: Cool. Thanks, Claire.
1: Thank you for listening to the You Should Know This podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or sending us a quick five-star review. Episodes come out weekly, and we're excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future.